Hallelujah. Lord, we just ask you to be with us tonight. We have worshiped you and God, we're asking that you would meet us in our hearts. Lord, there are some of us here that we do know you. We have a relationship with you and God. So we're asking that tonight that would just be something that increases in our life. That relationship would go deeper with you, Jesus. And for those of us here, maybe we're not Christians. Maybe we have questions about who you are and we've come here tonight in hopes of an answer. I pray God that you would give an answer tonight. I pray that you would meet every person in their mind and in their heart. And today would be the day that they would choose to walk in a relationship with you. We give you glory for that and we honor you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you're not already. I just want to take a few minutes tonight to talk to you about managing expectations. Managing expectations. Now, we all hear that phrase. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? Managing expectations, right? Five people. Wonderful. It's a whole new audience. Oh, okay. Now you want to raise your hand. I get it. I get it. We've all heard that, right? Manage your expectations, manage them at work, manage them. Uh, If you've gone through, I haven't. So this isn't from experience. This is what I know from other people. When you get ready to go through premarital counseling, the first thing they tell you is manage your expectations in marriage, right? Then I hear from my friends when they get in marriage that their expectations were just out in left field and it's all new and it's something to behold. Maybe that's why I'm not married, but the point, some of you are like, oh no, 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 don't worry about it. The Lord and his timing, right? All right. But when we manage our expectations, when we're looking at an expectation, I want to zone in on something in particular. I want to talk about relational expectations because there's a lot. There could be expectations on your job, expectations uh, within your If you're volunteering here at the church or whether it's within your home or what you do as a homeowner, there's so many expectations, but for time's sake, I want to zero in on relational expectations, expectations you have within a relationship. And I want to start by uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. That's an authority of sorts defines an expectation as the act or state of expecting, which itself is looking forward to or anticipation of something or someone. So there's an expectation. It's anticipation. You're anticipating something. And when you get into a relationship, there's all kinds of expectations and there's different kinds of relational expectations that you can have. Now I want to start off by telling you there's nothing wrong with expectations, right? We can agree on that. There's nothing wrong with expectations. You have to have expectations when you get into uh, certain expectations uh, within marriage. And, and let's run, run through those right quick. Some of the expectations with, let's say, our coworkers. We expect them to get their work done and not dump it on our lap, right? We expect them to show up on time. If you're a leader, you expect them to do the things that you've asked them to do. You expect them to collaborate. Those are best business practices, and those are all right expectations that we should have. Now, if the relation is a friend, we expect them to hang out with us on Saturday nights, right? Unless you're married, maybe that's not the expectation for your friends. But you have an expectation to hang out, maybe catch a movie with you, go to a ball game. You expect them to maybe be a groomsman in your wedding, or you expect them to laugh at the selfie that you took with the clown that's on the subway and you sent it to them. Right. So there's expectations and and these are just things that happen in life uh, that allow us to journey together. Now, with family, there are other expectations. 
You expect for them to gather at the holidays and fight over politics like a normal family or to, you know, get upset and fight over games, whatever at the holiday. You expect when a tragedy or something good happens, whether, uh, whether to you or to someone you know, you expect them to pick up the phone and just call you and tell you it's going to be okay or to be there with you. That's where blood is thicker than water, right? You have an expectation on your family. Now, with romance, you expect them to love you in the best and the good times. You expect them to tell you you have lettuce in your teeth before they kiss you, right? You expect them to try and hold your hand on a crowded train during the, during the rush hour. There's just expectations you have, and that's doing life on earth with your best friend. And no matter the ups or the downs, no matter the good or the bad, we have expectations on every relationship. But I didn't come tonight, and I know you didn't, to talk about those type of relationships. I want to talk about one particular relationship that perhaps your expectation on that relationship has caused a bit of difficulty in your life. The one relationship that's the most important relationship and when it comes to expectations, can be very different than what you put is with God. And you came to a church tonight in hopes that you would hear about God. We would talk about him. We've sure been singing about him. We've sure been lifting our hands and worshiping and clapping about him. But we need to hear about him. And this relationship that we have with God is something that is paramount. Because if that relationship is not managed properly or put in its proper perspective, all the other relationships, they won't go very far. They won't, be very, uh, they won't be very successful. They won't be very purposeful in what's going on in your life. And the only way to be able to look at that is to understand which camp you're in. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to put an expectation on God, and you're going to manage it well. You have to know where you stand with him. So I'm going to get pretty real with you tonight, okay? You're in one of two camps. There is no gray area with God. We talked about this today at the one o'clock. But either you're a real Christian who has a solid relationship with God. And you know him and you talk to him and, and you understand what that means. Or you're not. You're not a, a Christian because you don't have that relationship with him. And I just have to be honest with you because if I stood up here and told you anything else, then it would just be shameful for me to do that. And I want to talk to those of you that maybe you don't have that relationship with him or maybe you have an idea of what a relationship would be with God, but you're finding some difficulty with him. Does that speak to anybody? You're finding difficulty with God. You're, you're saying God and I don't see eye to eye. We, we kind of got some issues we have to work out. Some people say it one way. They say, well, you know, God and I, we got, a, we got an understanding. Well, the funny part is God doesn't do side deals. You may hustle, but God does not hustle. He's not, doing, he's not cutting some backroom deals with you and expecting us to do everything else. It doesn't work that way. We're all held to the same expectation by him. 
Now, the greatest thing is his expectation is not hard. But I want to work through a, a few things of how we get to this point to where our expectations with God tend to falter, where they go wrong. And I want to keep it as honest as possible because if you're sitting here tonight, whether you're a Christian or not, this may help you kind of understand why people get to the point to where they have a difficult relationship with God. As a child, we trust him to protect us and those we love. Yet abuse or a tragedy happens and we blame him for not stopping it. As a teen, we believe he will help us to be accepted, which is really the most important thing at that age. Yet we are bullied or labeled or cast out because of the way we look, the way we talk, the way we act. And then we blame him for creating us as weird or abnormal. Then we get to a young adult and we hope his plan for our life will be happiness, prosperity, freedom, and good health. Yet we end up in a job we loathe. We're lonely. We're anxious. We suffer depression. We feel bound by all these endless responsibilities and we still can't lose the extra pounds from college. Then by the time we become a full-grown adult and life is in full swing, we feel that God owes us a little bit of space. And he needs to extend some grace because of how we're operating our life. When it doesn't measure up to his biblical standards, we're really just doing the best we can. And if we didn't have to deal with all of this other stuff in our life, then maybe we wouldn't have the difficulty. And maybe our expectations on God wouldn't be so low or so high wherever we've placed them. And we still worry about the future. We can't deal with the present. We're anxious about what happened in our past. And then on top of that, everyone's saying, if God is so good, why does evil exist? And then what God are we to be serving anyway? Kind of gets quiet at that point because at some point in our life, we've all kind of dealt with that, right? And we begin to question God. And some of you might be here tonight and you're saying, yeah, that's me. That's the problem I have. You know, most people who would claim to be atheist or agnostic or don't want anything to do with God, you can usually pinpoint something happening in their life. And they had an expectation on God to do this. And when he came in, what they felt is right here, then it's not worth our time. When people don't meet our expectations, we get annoyed, we get angry, we get frustrated, we get abusive, and we get to the point where we just distance ourselves. We say that person is worthless. They're not worth of my time. It's useless to think about it. And though we don't say it with our lips towards God, our actions speak louder than our words. And that's how some of us feel towards God. He did not meet my expectations. How are we going to unpack all of that in just a few minutes, right? It's simple. We're going to go to the Bible. And I want to just share God's thoughts on how to have an expectation on him and what his expectation of you. There's a writer in the Old Testament. His name is Isaiah. And he was writing to the people of his time, the Israelites. And he wrote a pretty long book. And one of those chapters, he takes time to outline 
what it is to have a relationship with God. And in this dialogue that he's having, he's writing this, but he's having a dialogue with God and he's sharing it with us. And God speaks through Isaiah to you and I today, just like he spoke to those Israelites then. And he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, at first glance, that may seem a bit out of touch. Why would God say that? And many of us take a scripture like that and we'll look at it and think, well, he's out in the cosmos, so God doesn't care. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying to you is there's a simplistic way to understand the expectations. And I'll share them with you, but it starts at a relationship with me. It starts at a relationship that you and I can have. I can't put an expectation on you and expect all these grand things when I don't know you. Because your first response to me in the natural would be, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Yet we do that to God all the time. We tell God exactly what he's supposed to be doing, how he's supposed to be doing, what time he's supposed to be doing it, and the extra money in the bank account for the bonus when it's all said and done. Yet we don't have a relationship with him to reverse that and find out what he wants to do with us. And it all starts with choice. I want to jump to the beginning for just a moment. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were given a choice. God had an expectation on them. It was very simple. Walk in a relationship with him. And he only told them one thing. Just don't eat from this tree, the tree that will expose you to the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat any other tree you want. That was his one expectation, obedience. How many of you know how that story ended up? Got a little rough, right? The one thing he said, don't eat. It's like me in a Krispy Kreme store. Why are you all laughing? I'm just saying. The one thing. And they just couldn't. Now you could blame the snake. But is that fair? Some of you say absolutely. No, it's not. God put the expectation on Adam and Eve. Not on the snake. Yet they didn't adhere to it. They made a choice. That choice sowed evil, sin, into our DNA. And sin is just missing the mark where God wants us to be. It sowed it into our DNA that you and I are dealing with that today. And the problem we usually have today, if we look back over some of those life choices that are made, is we don't like when someone else's choice infringes on us negatively or when our own choice doesn't go as planned. That's really the root of the cause. That's the root issue. Cause and effect. Your choice impacted me. 
Now, I don't discount all of these things, whether it was a child or as a teen or as a young adult, as we look back over the life issues, that those choices did not affect you negatively. They absolutely did. We could all probably raise our hand and talk about things that happened to us as a child or a teenager that really kind of moved us much further into an area that we never thought we would go. But my question to you, is it fair to blame God because of that? Inadvertently, that's what we do. My mother or father's choice, this person's choice, it affected me. And it's God's fault. Because if God is good, he would not have allowed it to happen. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? What you're really saying in that particular phrase is that you don't like the fact that God gave us choice. That's what you're saying. But if he was to take their choice, he would have to take yours, which would never sit well with any of us. As a matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, which is chock full of how to make good choices, read it sometime. It's in the Old Testament, Proverbs. There's a scripture that says, people ruin their, ruin their lives by their own foolishness, their own choices, and then they're angry at God for it. And that's really what it boils down to. You're angry because the choice didn't work out and you're blaming God. Now, God in his infinite wisdom understood this, so he came up with a plan. Now, the funny part was he didn't come up with it late in life and say, wow, this isn't working out. I made these humans, and boy, they went off the reservation, didn't they? They just, they got out and left field somewhere. No, not at all. He had the plan from the very beginning because he knew when he gave us choice that some people would not choose him. And his choice is simple. Jesus. That's his choice. It's very, very simple. He knew that there would be a lot of poor choices. So God realized he himself was going to have to come and make some right choices so that you and I could have a relationship so that you and I could now manage expectations when it comes to God the right way. I want to turn to Jesus's words himself. In the book of John in the New Testament, Jesus begins talking and telling them about all of these different choices and telling them how to manage their expectations with God. Bear with me for a moment as I read it. It's just a few verses. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know when life is over here, there is an eternity. We talked about that at one o'clock today. And if you have a relationship with God, you will spend eternity with him. If you don't, you will spend eternity apart from him. But that was not what he was coming about. He was coming because he loved you. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, believes in Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. They made a choice. They like making bad choices. Some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, our bad choices 
We made that knowing wholeheartedly it was a bad choice, but we did it anyway because it brought pleasure or it built our pride or it gave us power or money or whatever. And he says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. That's why we can't, we feel we can't go to God because he's going to expose us. He's going to put a spotlight, like there's a spotlight here so that you can see me speaking from wherever you are. God's going to put a spotlight on it. And so we have that fear, but you know what? He needs to put a spotlight on it. He needs to show it, but he does it in love and grace. He says, those who do what is right, come to the light so that others can see they are doing what God wants. It's very simple how God wants us to manage our expectations. He wants you to make right choices and they come through a relationship. And you're thinking, well, how do I find out about this relationship? It's simple. He compiled a book, one book. It's 66 different books, letters from 40 authors, and it's called the Bible. And in it, he tells us Number one, from beginning to end, he wants a relationship. And number two, what to expect from him. See, God even tells you, this is what you can expect from me. You can expect that I'm loving. You can expect that I'm faithful. You can expect that I've covered your sins when you believe. You can expect him to teach you how to be a better human being, not only for yourself, but to family, coworkers. You can expect him to help you get past your past. You can expect him to take away any fear of what the future holds. And you can expect him to help you live in this present life. Because he's a very present God. You can't change anything that happened yesterday. You can't even change anything that happened five minutes ago. And we're, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. How many times have we woken up? And some news story happened overnight. And you're thinking, what? I'm sleeping and all this is happening. You don't know what's going to happen. But he's a present God. And he tells you what to expect from him. He tells you that through the centuries, people have come to put their expectations on me. And I've never failed them. I can attest to that. And there are other Christians who are here tonight who can do that as well. But can you? Where is your expectation on God? Are you still holding him accountable for something that happened in the past? For a choice that someone else made and you're blaming God? Or maybe a choice you made and you're blaming God because it didn't go out the way you thought it would? You prayed and prayed and the answer didn't come the way you thought it would. So you're blaming God, you're holding out. Maybe you think that the choices that you've made, God is expecting to just really rake you over the coals for that. But in his Bible, he says he loves you. In his Bible, he says he cares for you. In his Bible, he says there's forgiveness. In his Bible, he says that he will walk with you. And even the years that you gave over to bad choices, you can expect him to help you walk through them. When we have a relationship with him, we can learn what his expectations are 
for us and what we can expect for him. Now, here's the simple part. His expectation for you is to believe. See, in a relationship, for it to actually advance forward, there has to be trust, there has to be respect, and there has to be unity. We have to do the same with God. We have to trust him. We have to trust that what he says is true. We have to walk in, in respect because he is God and his ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. You know, when you have a relationship with him, there are things that he begins to do for you that in the moment you don't always see, but a couple weeks or months or maybe years go by and you look back and you're like, oh God, thank you for stepping in in that moment. Thank you for not letting me make that bad choice. Thank you for not letting me get to that point to where I did that. Now these folks are clapping because obviously they understand that. And then there's the unity part. Unity only comes when two are walking together in agreement. That's another scripture in the Bible. There's so many in the Bible. The Bible says, how can two walk together lest they agree? That's so practical. A marriage can't survive unless there's an agreement there. A business partnership. Even standing in an auditorium like this and speaking to you, if you didn't agree, we wouldn't be friends for very long. So when you have a relationship, you begin to make right choices and your expectations come into an alignment. So tonight I want to make it very simple for you and ask, what expectation have you put on God that you're mismanaging? What expectation have you put on God and subsequently on Jesus Christ that says, I don't want you in my life? Because only a mismanaged expectation would cause you to stand back from the God who loved you, who loves you, the God who breathed into you, the God who made the choice to die for you. Only a certain expectation would cause you to stand back and say, I don't want that. And that's a terrible expectation. What anticipation are you looking for? Those of us who are believers, those of us who are Christians, we have an expectation for a hope in our future. I have an expectation that when I go home and I'm sitting down, I can just talk to God freely. And he answers. I have an expectation that no matter what happens in my life, whether good or bad, he's going to walk with me and keep me through it. I have an expectation that should a tragedy come, he's going to comfort me. I have an expectation for the joy that he gives and the peace that he says passes all understanding. So are you managing your expectations on God correctly? Are you making right choices for him? What I'm going to ask you to do is really just take a moment 
Let's do an inventory of life in this brief moment and say, God, have I placed an expectation on you, expecting you to meet it, and now I'm angry because you haven't? Sometimes it's in the smallest thing, that that prayer request as a child that we ask God and we feel like he didn't answer. Because maybe at that age, we didn't understand that he knows what's best. Or maybe that choice that was made at some time in college that really affected us. And we're still angry about that because we feel like it threw us on a trajectory that we never would have been on had that choice not been made. But I'm going to ask you to make a choice tonight. A good choice, and it's a choice of surrender. It's a choice that you surrender your life to God and say, I don't want any more of these false expectations. I want to manage them well. And so, God, I give you my life. I give it all, every bit of it, I give it to you. And I want a relationship. And out of that relationship, I want to expect all of these things that you said in your word, you said in the Bible, that you would give to me. Just bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to do something bold because when we make choices, there's a lot of times we post things on social media, right? We get bold about stuff. And it could be frivolous stuff, maybe a funny picture you didn't expect to post, but you got bold and posted it and thought, oh, people will laugh. Maybe you get bold in political seasons and let people know where you stand on issues. You get bold on entertainment choices. You get bold in your outfits that you wear. You get bold in a lot of choices, but in the one choice that matters the most, people all of a sudden want to be very quiet. They want to do it in shh. We want to do it in secrecy because that's a personal, personal thing. The funny thing is everybody has to make the same choice for that. And it's whether or not to believe in Jesus Christ, whether or not to surrender our lives to him. So tonight I'm going to ask you to make a bold choice. If you're at a point in your life where you need to surrender, you need a relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to join me down front so we can pray. You can begin to walk down now if you'd like to. We're going to sing for a few minutes because maybe you need a few minutes to think about it. But don't let your past, don't let the present, don't let your worry for the future, don't let anything hold you back from making the right choice. You put those things out of your mind and say, this is the most important choice to ever make. Do you know God expects you if you haven't made that choice to make it? Because he wants a relationship with you. Jesus, as the song says, we surrender everything to you. We surrender our heart. We surrender our mind. We surrender our past. We surrender our present. We even surrender the future. 
God, we surrender everything to you. We surrender the bad choices, oh God. We surrender the hurts and the pains that may have come from choices that others made or we made ourselves. God, we don't want to walk this life angry with you. We don't want to walk this life with expectations that are not from you. So God, we surrender. We make the choice to surrender everything to you tonight. And God, we're asking that you would have this relationship, a real relationship with us. A relationship, God, where we can talk. A relationship where I can understand. We, all of us, can understand exactly what you expect from us and what we can expect from you. Jesus, let our hearts be open to you. Let us not leave here the same that when we came in. And help us to glorify your name. Help us to honor your name. Help us to sing praises to your name. And then, Lord, help us to be bold to tell others. Maybe even some of those that have hurt us from their choices. Help us, oh God, to tell people about Jesus. We want to walk to the light and not be afraid of the darkness. And we praise you for that. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Now, they're brothers and sisters. They've come and they've, they've decided to surrender. And I know that what you're saying to them is welcome. Welcome. Now, let's start this relationship. Put your arm around them, I pray, oh God. Love them. Jesus, let them know how much you care for them. And what a full life they're going to have because of the choice, the right choice that they made today. They can expect a full life from you because that's what you promise in your word. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.